Good morning. I'm glad that you're here with us this morning. I want to first ask you to start thinking about what you consider your can't live without. So Kate Bowler, the author of this memoir, Everything Happens, talks about her experience when she was diagnosed with an incurable cancer at the age of 35. And she talks about that one of her first responses when she receives a diagnosis is, yes, but I have a son. So before I explore with you the things that matter the most, or the people who are invaluable to us. I want to uh, talk a bit about how we spend a great deal of our time. We spend a lot of time with things. We spend a lot of time pursuing things. We work a lot. And it's a way for us to earn what we need and what we desire or want. We also pursue things and work a lot to help others. It's so common for as parents to, to invest in the education and the future of our kids. So we take care of basic needs, like food on the table, a roof over our heads, and the clothes that we need. We are created to discover a meaningful life and purpose. So a life pursuit is a given, and it is understandable. And so the pursuit of happiness comes with a cost. And we are part of a culture that offers a lot of options for us to help ourselves find such pursuit or the happiness or the meaning. We can construct plans. In our culture, we have this, this mindset that we can create a plan A, and if it doesn't work out, we go to plan B, plan C, and so forth. We believe in this notion of never give up on your dreams. Keep knocking on that door. Don't give up. And we have this notion of self-improvement, which, by the way, it's over a $9 billion industry. So here's what's problematic with all of that that has its value and has its place. But it becomes problematic when we take it as a guarantee. When we, uh, when we think of these things as the nevers, or the always, or if I do this, the cause and effect, then this must happen. There's that guarantee notion. So consequently, we're surrounding ourselves with things, and we are constructing our lives with plans that we feel very passionate about and that we invest our lives in. All of American culture, the pop psychology, and the prosperity gospel refutes surrender as a virtue. It actually feels or sounds or it's talked about like a defeat, as if it's something that we are giving up, that we are, that we are admitting or associating with frailty. 
When we get sick and we are admitted into the hospital, we're not given the choice of what we're going to wear. Everyone wears the same robe. And it's an ugly looking robe, and it's extremely basic, and I know it may sound gross, but imagine and think about the many people, strangers, the many times the robe that you and I have to wear has been worn before by someone else. And it's giving to us, and it looks like a one-size-fits-all, whether you are a man or a woman, it's, it's the same look. And then think about those strings in the back. They just never cover enough. So when we are at our sick moment, we are at the hospital, we are frail, we're not seeking the stuff that makes us helpful. And we're actually clothed by something that reminds us that's not important. And in fact, we don't require or are yearning for the stuff. If anything, we are hoping to have the persons who will support us. And then relationships really become clearly the most valuable thing in our lives. When I think about my own worst fears, I take away all the, the, the stuff that I need and that I want. What is left for me to imagine and worry about, those worst fears have to do for me, my two daughters, and my husband. And I know that many of us, when we think of the possibility of the worst scenarios, it often has to do with our family. And I will admit to you that there have been moments in my life when I have prayed, of course, God, ultimately, may it be your will. May your will be done. Yes, but please, may it be your will to leave them out of it. Not that, not them. So what is harder than working hard, working hard for a pursuit of something, I believe that what is harder is for us to surrender, to release and surrender ourselves and our families to God. If God is so good all the time and all the time, God is so good, why is it hard for us then to surrender our lives and those that matter the most to this faithful, wonderful, powerful, good, just God? Why is that so hard? What is at stake is the real question. And I think that God is good, but we hold back because what is at stake is control. Mother Teresa once said, we can only learn to know ourselves and do what we can, namely surrender our will and fulfill God's will in us. That is a wonderful Instagram post, really hard to practice.
So today I want to invite you to explore with me a biblical story that really brings to life how hard it can be to release. And that is in the book of Genesis, chapter 22. This is the story of Abraham and Sarah who yearned for a long, long time for a child. And eventually, at a very old age, God grants them a son. His name is Isaac. And then we find ourselves in chapter 22. And here's a pivotal moment in Abraham's life. And it reads like this. Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains that I shall show you. Many of us have read this maybe and wondered, yes, Lord, but, but really, really, a parent has to do that? In other words, yes, Lord, I trust you. I know that I'm supposed to read the word and put myself in it and submit myself and wonder how that experience can apply in my life, which tells me, yes, Lord, I want to trust you. But to that extent, the story tells us that Abraham, this particular scenario, he did not push back. Verse 1 reads, when God called Abraham, Abraham responded with a, here I am. And then we get to this verse 2, which is the calling that God um, places on Abraham. And just so you know, the story unfolds with Abraham getting up early in the next morning, saddling the donkey, getting Isaac ready, and walking to that mountain. When you get to verse 7, it tells us they, they've been setting up, and Isaac asks his father, we have everything set up. Where is the lamb to sacrifice? And it reads like this, verse 7, Isaac said to his father Abraham, Father, and Abraham said, Here I am, my son. So Abraham then says to him, God will provide. So they continue, and then we get to verse, a few verses later, to the point when Abraham positions Isaac, raises his hand, takes a weapon, and is about to do the unthinkable. Verse 11, the Lord speaks and calls Abraham. Abraham, and Abraham for a third time says, here I am. And just so you know, the sacrifice did not take place. It tells us how then God spoke to him about um, um, praising his obedience and his release and his trust. So can you imagine how bad of a day and stressful that had to be for Abraham. Three times, Abraham responds with an here I am, to God first, and then to his own son, and there's something important of that, to the, to the son, the earthly thing, where are you, dad? And he says, here I am, my son. And then in that critical moment, God calls again and finds Abraham trusting 
and calls him, and Abraham gets to say, here I am, Lord. If God is omniscient, which means he knows all things, then why this needless torture and despair, some of us may ask. And this is a hard one to unpack in a limited time like this. This is one of those that really calls for a dialogue and a Bible study or a conversation. So I'll say a little bit for now. First, be careful to reduce God's all-knowing power to a thing that because God knows it, it should then never exist at all. Second, Abraham did not know that his act of obedience could endure such thing until he actually experienced it. He didn't know until it actually happened to him. Trusting God, obeying God, and enduring with God is not an illusion. It's not a theological statement for us to treasure in knowledge. It's not an illusion, and it's not a trick either. It's a revelation. This is key to trust, to obey, to release, to follow God is a revelation. And Abraham's willingness to trust and surrender his most cherished gift and obey God is Abraham's mountaintop experience. And that literally says it in the word. His response of here I am, God, in, in lips and in deed is the mountaintop experience. And that means that displaying, that living it out is the act of releasing control. That's what is at stake, control. Our culture, our own inclination to self-preserve and gain and accumulate gives the illusion that surrender is a sign of defeat, not a virtue. But the word of God reveals the truth. And it is a mountaintop experience. Trusting God is not a sentiment. It's a lifelong practice. When Jesus asked, do you love me? to one of the disciples, and the gentleman says, I do love you. Jesus asked a, third, a second time, do you love me? Jesus asked a third time, do you love me? That's in John 21. When God calls you, here I am, will we say yes one time, two times, three times? When Jesus asks, who do you say I am, are we going to answer, can we answer, you're the Messiah, you're the Redeemer, you're my healer, you are sovereign, it is all in your hands, it is within your control, one time, 
two times, three times, indefinitely. I wonder if for some of us, being called by God is a scary thing because we do not know if we can actually say it and mean it. What if God pulls an Abraham test to you, to me? It's a scary thing. I wonder if for some of us, I wonder if for some of us, we're trying to negotiate or bargain with God. I won't, in other words, yes, but I can't give you that. So forgive me, but I'm going to try and make up for it in many other ways. I'm going to be a very good citizen. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to make sure I go to church every Sunday. I'm going to give to charity. And, and, and before you know it, we're trying to bargain with God what is yet a matter of the heart to be transformed. We don't want to get God too radical on us. And it's scary for us to think of us at the stature of Abraham and Sarah and many people in the word of God. Abraham did not lose his son that day, just so you know. But he did lose other family members at some point in his life journey. Obedience like Abraham's is not for us to be anyone's puppet. Not even God treats us like his puppet. That's why he calls. He gives us the ability to choose because that, what, that is what love is after all. So I'm going to define obedience like this. Obedience is our willingness to submit our control to God. So what we safeguard the most, your can't live without, are you willing to surrender that to God? Pain sometimes shatters a person's self-sufficiency because when life is stripped away, what is left is a revelation that we're broken and it's beyond our way of fixing and we need to seek beyond ourselves and we are broken and we're needing mending and redemption restoring and that's when God comes in we need salvation so when you think you can't go any further or you are at a broken broken abyss of despair cry out Yes, reach out, um, welcome the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I encourage you to cry out to people around you, to us as a church, so that we can be with you. Be with you in the moments of pain. The omnipotent God, the all-powerful God, is at the same time a very selfless, giving God. And that's very different from how you and I typically work with whatever fraction of power and control we have. 
whatever, once we get it, we tend to make sure we have to preserve it and multiply it. And we, our human inclination is to dominate at all costs sometimes which is why we see amongst ourselves and families and communities in our nations when when i have it if i need to be superior to another i will we don't know what we to, what to do with power and control so if that's the case and we are seduced by the illusion that even when i don't have enough power as long as I can seem powerful and superior to others, I will work with that. May we ask God for forgiveness because that is sin, because that is pride. It's self-absorbed focus. So I ask you, if that is your case, to ask God for forgiveness and then every morning surrender your desire to control every morning for the rest of our lives. We are called by name. Psalms tell us, tells us that we are called by name. What a beautiful thing to know. God calls us by name. And when we walk with God, who, who reaches out, who also pursues us, by the way, what a beautiful thing to know, then we are growing into a relationship with Christ. We are discovering who we are truly to be. We are re um, it is revealing to us what life is truly all about, and that's a virtue. So we're living a life of revelation, and that is real, and it's not fake, and particularly for the pain that you may be going through. It's not in vain. May you explore the idea of saying, here I am, for God will always be calling you by name. May that bless your mind and your heart. May that give us the energy and desire to bless God's name. And yes, by product of that, we will be blessed with an authentic way of living. God bless you.